0: This is the Fighter Pilot Podcast, episode 50. This week, we will discuss the Vietnam-era fighter that enjoyed a 19-to-3 kill ratio, best for its time, and also ushered in the age of air-to-air missiles. We will be talking with retired Navy Commander
1: Jerry Turkey Tucker. The F-8 was the last of the gunfighters. Now, nothing could beat the F-8. And I know that because I flew all the others. If I had a fight... That I had to go where my life was on the line, I would be there by myself, fully loaded with a 20 millimeter in the air.
2: Welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast the internet radio show that explores the fascinating world of air combat, the aircraft, the weapon systems, and most importantly, the people. Now, here are your hosts, retired U.S. Navy fighter pilots, Vincent Aiello and Brian Sinclair. Uh
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast, Episode 50. I'm Sunshine. And before we talk turkey, or with turkey on the F8 Crusader, Jello, welcome back. You've had a busy couple weeks. Hey, Sunshine. Yeah, it's good to be
3: back. How are you? Doing well, man. How about you? What's been going on? Well, it's been a busy month here in the ILO household, Sunshine. As many of our listeners know, we've had a lot going on. Uh, one is that my oldest son, Slater, who often helps with the show, He graduated high school recently, and we had some family visiting for that. And a couple days later, my wife took him and his girlfriend and my middle son off to Italy, which is where they are now. Wow. And my wife and I celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary recently. She still likes you? (laughs) she's still here and well, she's in (laughs) Italy. So I don't know. Maybe I should be concerned. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) But, uh, anyway, yeah. And, uh, as I think most of the listeners know on June 9th, my 93 year old world war two veteran father passed away. We talked about him on episode 49 and at the time his health was failing and, uh, he's gone and you know, we've had to deal with that and it's never easy losing a loved one. Do you have both of your parents, sunshine? Both parents. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, it's difficult. Fortunately, it was no surprise. His health was failing. Let's see. You and I, I think, recorded episode 49, the fill for it. I want to say the Tuesday after Memorial Day, if I remember correctly. Correct. Absolutely. Well, yep. That Wednesday, the next day, I traveled up to Los Angeles from San Diego, where we live, and visited with my sister who was helping with my father. That night, I started a five-day airline rotation. And on Sunday, my sister called me to say that my dad had slipped out of his chair and she didn't have the strength to pick him up. So she had to call 911. So he ended up in the hospital uh, that night and they released him on hospice. And actually, that was on Saturday night. They released him on Sunday, June 2nd. And he spent a week in his own home, thankfully, in a hospital bed. And he kept kind of slipping further away. They put him on a tube and oxygen and everything. And Sunday night, June 9th, uh, he was was gone. And, you know, it was sad, but at least it was no surprise and he led a full, very full life. We found in some paperwork, he never really talked much about the war, like a lot of veterans don't. Okay. But once he was gone, and I. Began helping my sister go through his effects. Uh, we found a letter he had written for some other purpose, but it talked about the fact that he served in Patton's Third Army and was in the wow. Battle of the Bulge, which I no thought I'd kidding. heard, but yeah, I never had any proof, so I was always a little hesitant to mention that. But yeah, he was there. He earned, I guess, three battle stars. They called it. I'm not quite sure no. what he did, but he was a uh, what do you call it? A um, he was a combat engineer. So yeah. Oh. He, uh, he had some interesting stories. In fact, I have some sound bites of him that I was thinking might be fun to stitch together and uh, maybe make as a bonus or uh, let our listeners check out at some point.
0: That's a great idea. Absolutely. Well, yeah. so he he lived a full life. And uh, fortunately, you and your family, entire family, had a chance to say goodbye, right? Yes, we all did, pretty much.
3: And so, you know, it was, like I said, it was tough, but... I was just blown away by the support of our listeners, the outpouring on Facebook and emails, anywhere social media wise that people who had heard about it, they were very gracious with their words of encouragement, including on Patreon and elsewhere, where people said, Hey, take all the time you need. We're here. Don't worry about the show. And so, thanks to you, by the way, Sunshine, for the intermission episode on June 12th. And, you know, people were just very gracious. Hey, family first, which, of course, you would expect. But when you have a show, you, you know, you want to keep the show going, the show must go on, as they say in in Mm -hmm. showbiz. And so here we are. But I'll tell you, having a chance to kind of take a step back from the podcast, you really get a glimpse of of how busy it is. And the one thing that I I did was I I took a step back. And I said, it's kind of nice to have emails to read and people to write back quickly and say, Hey, I appreciate your support. Uh, You know, we'll be back soon. But I think In general, getting to the announcements part of the show here, I think what I'd like to do, at least over the summer, is kind of throttle back the show a little bit. I've likened it to sprinting a marathon. Three episodes a month is doable, but it was Mm -hmm. keeping me really busy, and I think what we'll do going forward... Uh, beginning on this episode, is we'll air it on a Monday, okay. and then we'll go every other Monday. And on the in-between Mondays, maybe we can release uh, a behind-the-scenes, or once we get your deep dive stuff figured out, and I know <laughs> we're working on that, mm-hmm. we can maybe release those on the other Monday as well. But okay. I just think it's a, a good time to reflect on how busy this is, and, and just maybe release a little slower, at least through the summer while the kids are off, and maybe in the fall we can pick back up if uh, we feel that's the right
0: thing to do at that time. Sounds like a great idea. Hey, also, okay. thinking, of, thinking of our intermission episode, so I, I really felt that it was uh, folks being subjected to my meandering answers to uh, various questions via <laughs> air crew interviews. So okay. I, I appreciate the patience there. But, you know, why don't for this episode, why don't we just skip the questions and go straight into the interview?
3: Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, we still have a handful we need to get through, but we could maybe still, as we've talked about before, get together someday and do a Facebook Live Possibly the two of us, or maybe we can get a previous guest or someone else. And if nothing else, maybe on the next episode, we can get caught up. But that sounds like a good plan to me. So, well, what do we have in store for the interview this
0: week, Sunshine? Well, Jello, this interview was actually very opportunistic. And what I mean by that is I met this guy through just another good friend of the family. He's a local guy. He and I met up in my kitchen, so sorry for the echoes there. But he's very unassuming. So you meet this guy out in public, just the nicest guy. I'll talk to anybody you have no idea of the rich depth of history that he has with naval aviation. So hopefully the audience will enjoy it. For sure. Now, I got a sneak peek
3: at the interview already and had a chance to listen. He's got a bunch of great stories. It's amazing everything that he's done. But without further ado, why don't we let Turkey speak for himself?
0: Perfect. Today, I have the honor of having with me Jerry Turkey Tucker retired naval officer, and uh, has got quite a amount of stories. How you doing, Jerry? I'm doing good. I'm doing good today. Thanks for
1: having me with you.
0: Absolutely. Today we're going to focus on, and I've known you've flown many airframes, and we've got a lot of stories for each of those airframes, I'm sure. But today we're going to focus on the F-8. Okay.
1: So, But first, let's start with your background, Jerry. So can you tell the audience a little about yourself? Well, i uh retired from the Navy in 1988 after a, a fun career. Started right out of... Uh, uh, college, went right to flight training and, uh, wound up, uh, starting in the F-8 was the first airplane that I flew. Okay. Uh, before that I did fly what a thing called NARMED, where we flew two, uh, uh, Naval Academy kids. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, a few NROTC people in the T-34. In, oh, nice. In Corpus Christi.
0: Was that and, the T-34B? Uh,
1: yes. We didn't have okay. C's, hadn't been invented yet.
0: Okay. <laughs> you just dated yourself. I had to rub it, love it, it. <laughs> that in. Didn't
1: uh, yes, we flew uh, T-34Bs. It was a bunch of guys that just got their wings, and they sent nice. us down there to build a little time and wait for classes to start. Uh, so we had every kind of background on demand down there. Uh, but I stayed there for the summer, and that was the summer they landed on the moon. So I, huh. I was there when that happened. So we Big were all deal? together watching. Oh, it was huge. That was really magic. Um, then I went to um, Miramar uh, into uh, VF-124, uh, which was the uh, FRS, so the Fleet Replacement School, or, or Service it. Yeah. Did you guys call
0: it the Rag back then? The Rag,
1: yes. Okay, we yeah. it the Rag
0: Placement Air Group. Gotcha.
1: Uh, and that was uh, at Miramar and the F eight, where, where they were flying uh, two models uh, there: the F eight H and the F eight J. Um, mostly H's then. A the big difference was the J had what they call a boundary, boundary layer controls, allowed you to slow down coming aboard the boat. Uh, gotcha. the, a, uh, the H was faster. It came aboard about a 145 indicator. Okay. Uh, we got it down to 120 or so in the, in the J. Uh, and from there, uh, uh, I made two combat cruises Okay, on and, the Hancock. And, okay.
0: The Hancock in Vietnam? In Vietnam, Vietnam yes. Okay. Yeah, uh,
1: combat over there. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that, uh, I'm sure, a little bit later.
0: Yeah, what squadrons were you in I, when um, you
1: were deployed? At, at that time, I went from the RAG to uh, VF-211. Uh, at Miramar. The Checkmates, Uh, is that right? That's correct. Awesome. Um, And then I uh, uh, had another tour a little later, and then I uh, came back to the F-8, uh, and then I went into VF-191, Satan's Kittens. (laughs) Okay, so hold
0: on, before we get into Satan's Kittens, though, back as a Checkmate, I think it was around May 22nd, uh, just a little before I was born, sorry, in 1972, I think you had quite an epic experience,
1: didn't you? Yes, we, uh, uh, they had really opened up uh, up north again. It, it had a lot of bombing halts and a lot of starts and stops up there, but they'd opened it up again in 72. In, in okay. And um, I was flying as t- uh, CAP uh, for a strike group going in. As so flight combat leader. Air Patrol? Combat Air Patrol, cap. Uh, okay. yes. Uh, on a strike group going in in the Hourglass area, which is about halfway up north Vietnam. It's an area where the, the coastline goes goes out, and two rivers come come in, and they come together, and it looks like an hourglass in there. And that's what we always uh, use that as a navigational point where we knew where it was. You called the hourglass, you knew where it was. Okay. We were just south of the hourglass. The strike was over. We escorted them out, and as, uh, those don't take near as long as they uh, schedule for. So uh, we always checked in. The fighters checked in with Red Crown, which was the controlling right. agency. Okay. Um, navy
0: based controlling agency. navy
1: based controlling yeah. agency okay. uh, that handled most of the any vectoring or anything It kept track of all the uh aviation traffic in uh, north vietnam and uh, let them know that we had a couple of f 8s that uh you know we had four sidewinders two apiece and 200 uh, rounds of twenty mic mic uh, which is the the It the gun wasn 't gatlin we had f- uh, four uh, weapons on the airplane four uh, twenty millimeter cannons two on each side and we always we only carried two sidewinders the uh, too much drag on the the two mount on each side, so we just carried one on each side. I see, okay. Parasite um, drag, gotcha. Yeah. And um, we were, uh, while, when we got there, we heard that uh, there were MiGs flying uh, coming uh, south uh, from Hanoi. They had vectored two Phantoms that had checked in before us that were uh, based on the uh, midway after the uh, the MiG, and uh, in on the vector, on the way to the MiG, they lost sight of each other and and set up a rendezvous circle over North Vietnam trying to find each other while the MIG continued south. <laughs> uh, about the second time around the rendezvous circle, point one, point two, and listen, to the other guy still looking uh, for his flight leader, I got a little upset and told Red Crown that, you know, you got two F-8s out here. I can see my wingman. Do you think it's about time <laughs> we made a change? A little sarcasm on the. Tactical I, I, I did it as calmly as and nicely as I could. <laughs> yep. But the uh, controller agreed with me. Vectored uh, the two uh, phantoms uh, feet wet, which is uh, off the vector, and vectored us in.
0: Okay, so feet wet, being they're back over the ocean. Yeah, they
1: they vectored them back out over the ocean, okay. off of the, uh, off of their vector. So you're too slow. You're out, and That's Jerry's right. in with the. Yeah. Uh, if you can't find your wingman, a pretty safe bet you're not going to see a Meg either. <laughs> so um, I was flying with uh, a guy named Frank Bachman, Lieutenant Commander uh, Frank Bachman. And I was a lieutenant at the time. Uh, we got to the area where it was uh, uh, he was supposed to be, and we couldn't see him. We didn't find him. And we were starting to take up ground fire. Uh, so we, okay, well, he's not here. And so we, as we turned out, I caught a glint uh, hmm. about 15 miles north. It was just a glint off the windscreen. I had pretty good eyes in those days, and uh, fifteen mile a glint acquisition, yeah, well, visual acquisition. I, well, you can you can see a glint from yeah. twenty to twenty five miles. You know, okay. it's it's uh, the sun off the windscreen. Yeah, and um, well, I padlocked it. That was a black dot. It was just a not, not much. I, you know,
0: padlock. being you padlock your means eyes you look at it.
1: it. I'm not going to blink. I'm so not going to look away. I took the lead. Okay, uh, Frank never questioned it. He's, he said, <laughs> "You got it," and I just just kept my eyes on on this dot. Uh, hoping against all hope it wasn't a floater in my eye. And as it turned <laughs> Which out... Which I've had. <laughs> yeah, we all have yeah, had yeah. that or spot on the uh, on the Probably canopy, but it uh, it wasn't. And we turned in, I offset. Frank, just as a great uh, wingman, just as he was as a great leader, he offset to give me support. Uh, we go into what they call combat spread, okay. uh, where he goes out about a half a mile and up, uh, 1,000, 2,000 feet, um, matching... Uh, um, uh, Uh, matching my speed, so he stays there and flies position there, and I just took the lead and and saw the guy coming south, saw that it was a MiG-17. As I rolled in, um, I just was starting to get a growl, a growl meaning the sound this sidewinder gives you, uh, that comes through our headset. Uh, and it's actually attached right to the sidewinder that you've selected. And when you start to get the growl, that means it's picking up infrared energy, and that's what is the guidance system for the sidewinders. We had aim 9 ds at that time. Okay. And I was just getting ready to, uh, waiting for the heart of the envelope as I came in. He was going south at the speed of heat, just as fast as he could go, probably about 2,500, 3,000 feet. And um, where are
0: you roughly? You're. Uh, you're I am I'm high
1: to the uh, to the uh, east, turning in on him. I know you can't see my hand. No, up I, here, I was going to say, I wish this were a TV episode. <laughs> you right can see dude, my hands right there, pulling hands, yeah. in, and my hands even in Buffett, um, <laughs> pulling around trying to uh, trying to get in the heart of the envelope, which is a cone uh, that uh, you have the highest probability of killing this, with a sidewinder. Okay. And like I said, I was just at the edge of that when. Uh, when i was getting a small bit of a, a growl from the a sign wire, a little p- bounce because of the scan pattern of it and i knew it was i was just about there and all of a sudden the airplane just nosed into the canopy oh. uh, the jungle canopy okay and a parachute appeared um so he,
0: he bailed out before he, he jumped ju- he jumped out off.
1: uh he just jumped out and uh uh we made two passes by him now uh He was hurt, but you could see his head was following us, but he never raised his arms. At the speed he was going, and in that ejection, in my mind, I'm fairly certain he dislocated his shoulders or something. Flail injuries? He hurt his arms, yeah, flail injuries. Okay. But you could see his head was following us as we went by. So he was awake and he was watching us? Yeah, he was watching us. Um, So how close do you think you passed to his parachute canopy? Oh, I was a couple hundred feet when I went by. Yeah. Uh, but I kept the speed up because you never know what's going to happen, you know. <laughs> but it was, yeah, two to 300 feet. Okay. Close enough where I could see his head was moving. That's like, true. Good point. Um, okay. But not much more than that. There was not, not a lot of detail I could get out of it. But you could see the, the the helmet. And we made two passes. Okay. And then we started picking up some ground fire. Uh, oh. We saw some traces coming from the canopy. And he still was going down slowly. So uh, we, we left. So know? Jerry, you're a MIG killer. Well... Uh, yeah, some would say that, but I, I, I make scare, I think, is a make little bit more. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. So, and
0: I mean, uh, I know we have our flow that we usually follow here for the listeners at home, but that's just such an exciting story, and I'm just giddy like a schoolgirl <laughs> to hear it. So I thought we'd throw it into the beginning. Well, so, I
1: appreciate that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so, yeah, and uh, I think our listeners have already heard about the AIM-9s. They understand the growl, which right. is great, so thank you for that depiction there. And okay. you're doing a uh, high to low shot, if you will.
1: Yes, so. and you don't have as much opportunity to that, but he was low. That's why they do that, so that yep. he has to look down at the earth because you get a lot of return from the, even the jungle canopy. You get some get some thermal return,
0: return. Yeah. yeah. But the,
1: this, the engine at full power on a, on a MiG-17 was enough to overpower. It it's it shown through. Let's yeah, put it that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The good old fresco. Huh? Yeah, fresco. Excuse me. Fresca, so, yeah. okay. So then, so let's uh, let's get back on track. It, sure. but That was a great uh, rabbit hole, if you will. <laughs> okay. So we got our F eight story. We talked about the shoot down, the MiG killer, and I think, and I guess we'll get into it later. But the F eight was pretty formidable in the North Vietnamese's eyes. Correct.
1: Yeah, they uh, they didn't like to fly against us. Uh, that right. was the only MiG we saw in two cruises. Where oh. the Phantom, now this is when Randy Cunningham was getting his five yeah, megs and that. Yeah, right, right. They would fly against the Phantoms because they weren't as, i um, trying to be kind. It's okay, uh, the they, fat kid? Uh, was, it was the Phantom a great, the yeah, they were kind of grapes. I mean, they didn't, okay, yeah. uh, a lot of their background, before Top Gun came into existence, right. they, they were interceptor pilots. They were not uh, trained, um, not all of them, but right. the vast majority of them, especially a lot of the leadership in the group, okay. um, they were intercept pilots. And they weren't as aggressive in combat uh, air-to-air combat as, as we were. Now that's all we did in the, in the Crusader community, the FA community was air-to-air was our primary role. They had an air-to-ground role as well. and okay. they had uh, uh, air-to-air role. They had, uh, they had no uh, guns, yeah, which was a, not, their, not their fault. that's just the people in .DC. decided that that was more important. They have sidewinders and standoff. It, it was a standoff uh, uh, air-to-air type airplane.
0: Understood. So the F-8 guys are more of the night fight in the phone booth. That's
1: exactly right. And That's the F-4 very well guys
0: are the high, fast intercept, right. straight beyond lines.
1: VVR okay. or beyond visual range. Perfect, shooting. Yes. Yeah,
0: Exactly right. Okay, yeah. so, so uh, and we'll, we'll definitely come back to the F-8. Okay. So F-8, are there a couple other platforms that you've flown in the Navy?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I flew a few. I um, uh, started in the F-8, then uh, when I left the first squadron, I uh, went to... a a group called the Blue Angels, and uh, flew the Phantom there. I was in yep, uh, the okay. last year of Phantoms. Uh, didn't have a great year there, and uh, I had a great year, but the team didn't. Uh, they lost six airplanes that year.
0: Oh, and how uh, many air crew? And
1: three people, uh, okay. two pilots, and uh, uh, one uh, of the uh, uh, plane captains, Ron Thomas, uh, was in the back seat of... Uh, mike murphy's airplane okay oh. uh and then uh and also the the leader the first leader uh, that we started through winter training with and the first accident was a trail loop accident uh he hurt his neck and so they had to bring in somebody else back as leader so don couldn't fly the rest of that season and then okay. we lost another phantom in the middle of that year oh. and then we've transitioned to the a4 and uh-huh. then after that i actually got out of the navy for a while okay to try to get my mind right uh and worked on the pro golf tour. I caddied on the pro golf tour. For, no kidding. For about uh, five months or so for a guy named Jim Colbert. Who's, okay. One of my idols still is. Really? Yeah. Really, really good guy. Uh, and my golf game got a little better, too. Well,
0: I was going to say, I noticed you're adorned today in a, I would call, a golf outfit, if you will. Well, so, yeah. So I, kinda, so. yeah we, <laughs> just, we just,
1: I made a trip a couple weeks ago back to, and I got one from my favorite course, Navy Marine golf course in Hawaii. So Nice. Um, and then I came back and did another F8 cruise. Uh, I actually... While I was on the Blues, I actually, uh, after all the accidents, we knew we were going to change airplanes, so they sent each of us to a different airplane to evaluate it for use in the Blues. And uh, oh. they sent me uh, to uh, Cecil to, to fly the A-7. And, okay. Of course there, yeah. Yeah. And Steve Lambert went and flew the A-4. Uh, okay. Actually had somebody went and flew the T-2, Um we weren't going to let him back in if he they decided to choose that, but uh, <laughs> it would have been a good airplane too. It's just a, you know, it's you make the show around the max of what that airplane yes. can do. Um, and then I wound up um, during the war. I actually got a little exchange with the Air Force and flew the F one hundred for a little bit, very little bit. I mean, it was back seat of an F F one hundred D, which is their two seater, uh, down in in Phan Rang in South Vietnam. And, okay, we actually we. Re- we didn't go into Cambodia. <laughs> You're not seeing me shake my head. Yes, we really did. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, what else? And then the last thing I did is I flew the uh, the F-14. Ah, uh,
0: oh, the mighty was, Tomcat. Yep. Yeah,
1: uh, I started. Uh, I was in the rag to go to uh, VF-213. Uh, okay. And uh, I was out watching the blues come into town, and uh, a young man killed himself at uh, Mike Curtin killed himself at Miramar, oh. and doing rolls and. Um, and so they asked me back the next year. So I went back to the Blues a second time in 79 and uh, uh, trained yeah. uh, the solo, the lead solo. I was the lead okay. solo. I went back and trained Jim Ross, uh, Jungle Jim, uh, who wound up uh, being on the team... Good Evans. I, I only went twice. I think Jimmy was there like four times. Okay, yeah. well hold on. When you say only twice, most guys get one well, shot. Out. Of it. So, I, yeah. so how many years
0: did you spend in the blue and yellow uniform? Uh, and three. Blue? I did three. Three years. Yeah.
1: Jungle did four because okay. they had one other, and it was all accidents or something uh, happened to an airplane or physically to some person on the team. Yeah. A really good friend of mine had a Achilles tendon yeah. uh, ruptured, so um, he couldn't fly. So they had to had to replace it, and so Jungle had to stay for another year for that.
0: So when you finish up uh, your first tour in the blues, did you know that you're kind of on a short list if something happens that can call um, you back?
1: No, I never thought of it. I, okay. You know, we don't. Uh, there, there, there have there have been a few, not a, a bunch, but there have been a few. Vance Parker, who was my opposing solo, was called back before me okay. because of a, a guy that killed himself in winter training, and okay. uh, uh, and then uh, I was called back at that time. Then the Jungle stayed an extra year, and then they called him back one more time. Um, and I think there's might be one more. Uh, that they did that to been uh, the leaders that have come back. Yeah, uh, there are certain. It's a skill set that you uh, that you train into. That, it's uh, very
0: unique, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: and it, it's kind of hard to replace on short notice. Yeah, there's a lot of great aviators out there that can do the exact same job, but to be able to replace it and, and understand what's going on in short order, some sometimes it requires somebody to come back.
0: Yeah, well said. So uh, what it's hard to tell about Jerry since he and I just met uh, maybe an hour before this is. Mm-hmm his humility. So this guy's been through some crazy experiences, and he's just, you know, you just walk up to him on the street, and he's just a friendly guy who would chat with you, and there's no arrogance, not even a bone of arrogance in your body. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, okay, so, uh, so you got a rich tapestry of, of naval aviation history, we'll okay. call it, and now we're going to focus in on the F-8. Okay, okay. Which is, well, can we call it your first love?
1: Well, it really was. Okay. It really was. Uh, you know, starting the F-8 and going into the Phantom after that, uh, that we always had uh, a rivalry at Marimar between the F four and the F eight guys. I mean, it was it was friendly. It was fun. They were fun to fight. They had an an area of uh, flying that uh, they had an advantage. But most dogfights didn't happen in the area of their advantage. You know, down low with thick air, they were great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would drag them up high, and they didn't have a chance. They just didn't have a prayer with, against us. So, and also we had different philosophies about it. We used the vertical a lot more than they did.
0: I okay. mean, taking the
1: airplane up. Uh, yeah. If you take it up, once it gets slow, it'll. You got gravity helping you come the, back yeah, around. God you do, you see, do a horizontal run. Uh, turn, You know, you just go and go and go and go. Yeah. That's why it was fun to fight A7 guys. Because uh, they, they did. They just put their feet on the instrument panel and pull for all they were worth in a horizontal okay. turn. And you yeah. just sit there and shoot and shoot <laughs> and shoot. <laughs> it was fun. Nice. Well, now, what was the
0: F-4 originally designed to do?
1: It was an interceptor. Okay. It, uh, it was designed for uh, beyond visual range uh, uh, missile shots where you didn't have to wind, wrap up. But it, it was still a very good airplane. Uh, when I got in the airplane, transitioned to it from uh, I, le- I was in the rag uh, uh, in at Miramar uh, after after the, I come back came back from the war, and when I was selected for the blues, I was going to be the one of the rag LSOs. Okay. Um And while I was there, I got selected for the team, went back, uh, did some groundwork, then came back to transition to the Phantom, mm-hmm. right back to Miramar, and that was the most stable airplane I've ever been in in my life. It was. Uh, I did my second GCA hands off. A GCA sure. is a ground control approach. Sorry, awesome. I, I no, no, that's great. That. That's great. Yeah, now everybody does ILSs and stuff like yeah. that in airplanes, but a GCA was one where they talked you down. Well, once you got that thing stabilized, I took my hands off for the second one all the way till touchdown. I mean, I just did it with the rudders and a little yeah. bit with the throttle, and nothing happened. The F eight every correction was three corrections. And I pulled the nose up, add the power or both power. Add you know, it was constantly. <laughs> Everything was three or three corrections.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, and. F- Turning at, at a lower altitude, I mean, really pulling the airplane, it was always in Buffett, but you could feel it really had a, a great bite into the air. It really okay. could turn.
0: It's a real good pitch oh, authority. Oh, man, it
1: was fun. And I, and I couldn't figure out how I, uh, I ever beat this airplane. I mean, huh. at first. Okay. And then I got to see what it would do when you get up high and try to do stuff. And I, and I could actually see. And the fact that I would love to have had that airplane in, against a couple of F-8s, I would have surprised them. Yeah. yeah. Once you really understand the airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the guys there until Top Gun came to really kind of change some philosophies and changed the way that they looked at, at uh, dogfighting, uh, air to air combat, and then they became a very formal force after that. They really did. And the guys that started it, Dan Patterson and those guys, just they did a wonderful, wonderful job. Nice.
0: Um, yeah, so. If, I, if memory serves, and this is obviously, you've got the experience, I just have the internet to research, but uh, in the, about 52, the Navy said, hey, we need a new fighter, and we need a top speed of 1.2. Now, were there many supersonic fighters at that time?
1: Uh, no, I don't, uh, the Air Force probably had one or two, but we didn't have uh, one. I don't think the Demon would.
0: Uh, yeah, I, Dun- I don't think so either, no. yeah. So no. in, in the spec, they asked for 1.2 at 30,000 feet. Right. They asked for a climb rate of 25,000 feet per minute, yeah. which is uh, very generous, we'll say. But the caveat was that it had to bring it back aboard the boat, and a slower is, we'll call it easier. I don't know if yeah. that's the right term yeah. to use. So they're looking at like a 100-knot approach speed is what they wanted. Yeah, they didn't come close to that. <laughs> uh, now, how did they try, though, to approach that 100-knot carrier approach speed? Well,
1: first of all, they, you have to put flaps on the wing. You have to make the wing bigger so that yeah. you can fly slower. Well, when they made the wing bigger in the F-8, you couldn't see the carrier. So, it makes it very difficult to come aboard when you can't see where you're going. So, uh, their <laughs> response point. to that was to lower the fuselage. So, uh, everybody talks, well, they raise the wing. Well, they don't. The wing is still the incidence into the wind, it's the same. Yeah, they just drop okay. the fu- by raising the wing, yeah. it lowered the fuselage. So, you could see, and you still had to really sit up to see it. Huh. So, the, a real common tendency in the airplane was to drop your nose. Okay. Because you're always looking like this, and you want to see, so you just kind of relax a little and bit. And when you
0: drop your nose drop on your a nose, powered approach,
1: yeah, you, you come down. <laughs> you come, uh, the BSI goes at a time through the you don't want to come down. Yes, it, it had a terrible uh, reputation for uh, ramp strikes. Uh, I, I was an LSO in my first squadron, and I saw five ramp strikes uh, in my uh, just my first five? cruise. My in first first cruise. 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 Yeah, and starting oh. in the rag. I... Uh, Daryl Eggert coming aboard the boat in CQ uh, I jumped on the platform to watch him and uh, he got behind the power curve and he yeah. had full power and couldn't recover I, yeah nighttime. I can still see his eyes right this minute it, oh, oh. in the flash of his yeah. airplane hitting the ramp with a fireball and you can see his eyes as, as it went down down the deck did he survive that? he no, did didn't not it. no they never found anything
0: Oh my! So yeah, this thing has been known. Have you ever heard of it called the Ensign Eliminator?
1: Well, the first the Ensign thing. Killer, the first one was okay. actually the Cutlass. Oh yeah, The Cutlass Cutlass. That was the that was the first Ensign Killer. Okay. Uh, it probably has been called that. It got better, I think. But uh, other airplanes were worse, I think. The Phantom right. wasn't. The Phantom was awesome, but it was on a bigger deck too. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it just you just had to be aware. You had to be alert, and the LSOs were, and the guys. You know, everybody looked like deers in the headlights when they got off the deck at night after a yeah. night landing because it 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 got your attention. It kept you awake. Oh yeah,
0: and I guess I think it had one of the highest mishap rates. They're it saying did, of yeah. about twelve hundred total in inventory, about eleven 1, hundred, so it's about eighty eight percent were involved in some type of a mishap.
1: That's and that's true. It was not that forgiving.
0: Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it really was. You right. always had to be on your A game, especially for the night traps, huh?
1: Oh yeah, night. Well, night traps in and uh, it had a a nasty depart too uh oh okay because it it had a uh, spin you had to recover their way from the spin there were probably a couple of legends that got it out other ways but uh you had to do it their way or you weren't going to get out uh you had to um, blow the droops the droops are the leading edge uh, slats Uh, the front half of the wing yeah they come down usually for landing so that uh it, it makes the wing bigger once again so you can fly slower uh, and you had, it's a pneumatic blowing of the droops, and it's a handle over here. You had to grab it and push it down to, to blow okay. the droops. Well, when you're getting, getting flopped around in that airplane in, yeah. in a in a pretty violent departure in the spin, it, it's not the most gentle thing in the world. It's kind of hard to get to that thing. So if you didn't get that out, you weren't going to get out of it, probably. Uh, there, oh. Like I said, there was a guy named, absolute legend in, in the a fake community, a guy named Joseph Trappa who, unfortunately, we just lost two weeks ago. Uh, but oh. the Joe was, uh, he could do anything with the airplane. Uh, really? And he used just, to do it, too. Just to gifted, yeah. 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 Real high voice. <laughs> Naval Academy guy. Oh, okay. Too. God, he was a good guy. Yeah. Sto- for stories afterwards.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, so- he's, a, he's
1: a good guy. So,
0: so we talked about the carrier approach. We mm-hmm. talked about the high VSI, the sink rates that you really have to be on your A-game to mm-hmm. overcome, if you will. Right. How about on deck? Now, I got this big old low-slung intake. Is it kind of hungry out there for uh, quite it is, of that person? It has
1: eaten a few folks, yes, okay. it has.
0: You ever heard the nickname gator for that thing?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that's what they called it was the gator. That okay, was, yeah. That, everybody knows what the gator is, and that's what <laughs> it looks like, too. I mean, yeah. that great big old, big old nose and that thing the a big old mouth on it. You know, they, they, it VF-111 painted shark's teeth. You know, for the things that's yes, intake yes. put shark's teeth in it. That uh, was very
0: apropos. It, very yeah. apropos, oh, uh,
1: and it was low too. It was just the height, and I've seen it suck things up, but I haven't. I haven't seen it suck a person up.
0: Good, okay,
1: uh, and but it's happened more than once.
0: Uh, and then, how about even handling qualities on deck? Like the nose wheel steering, was it very good?
1: It was. It was okay. It okay. wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, one of the problems in twenty-seven Charlies, which is the aircraft carrier that it operated off of, mainly, okay. uh, which are the small carriers. they are the Hancock, the Riskeni, the Ticonderoga. It's just a, a much smaller uh, twenty-seven Charlie is the displacement's What they uh, ah, thank uh, like you very much. Hundred thousand. There's a zillion pounds. I don't know. So <laughs> <What> <laughs> something? There? Yes, the displacement of, of water. I guess. And it's a small deck. It has, uh, it had four wires, but a very small deck, just two cats. You couldn't, didn't have a waist cat. Uh, it's only, I think, a thousand feet long, 1,100 feet long, uh, whereas the other carriers are significantly longer. Absolutely. Um, so when you come aboard, they have to take you up front and do, uh, they do a, a reverse. Uh, park, so, so they can get more oh, airplanes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you actually, he takes you out where you are over the water, because you are sitting, uh, the, the nose gear is behind mm-hmm. you, so he has to take it out to where it turns, and I mean, in the middle of the night, after a night trap, that is not what you want to do, and I've stopped more times than not, and just shook him and said, no, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going for a minute, and the guy, okay, 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 and then he'd start getting real slow, and then eventually he could do it, but I mean, it's spooky. That part, it was kind of, kind of spooky.
0: Oh, I totally get that. Yeah, and with the Hornet, same thing. So my butt is in front of the nose There, beard, there you go. Then you and, know exactly what I'm talking about. And those guys with the, the yellow shirts with the yellow wands at night yeah. are taxing oh, yeah. you forward. And I would, Jerry, I would honestly just start t- turning on my own. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't even I, shake I, them off. We've I'm all like, done that. Nope. Uh, yeah. I'm the one getting wet, not you. That's so right. I'm taking control. So. That's exactly right. All right. So we talked about some of the pitfalls of the design, right? Mm-hmm. And now how about some of the advantages or strengths of this aircraft?
1: Well, it did go fast. It uh, accelerated pretty decently. Uh, it actually turned pretty well if you knew how to do it. If you okay. if you knew how to... F- you had to feel the airplane. I mean, I know... So, it-
0: okay, so l- let's anchor on that for a little bit. When you say feel the airplane, mm-hmm. so we're we talking Buffett? or there's certain cockpit noises? What What's a feel for you? Can all you tell the those, listeners? All of those. All of
1: those. The sound. Uh, and as an LSO2, uh, it was the same thing watching them come aboard. Yeah. Uh, most of it, you had to look. You could feel the airplane from the ground. You could see mm-hmm. when it was getting slow. In the airplane, you could feel it your fanny would kind of sink out a little yep. bit. You'd feel the nibble of buffet as you got close to it, mm-hmm. and you knew how far you could take it into that buffet. and any farther, your turn was actually worse than it was. So you get to the right area in the buffet. You can feel a wing start to go uh, if it's starting to stall, and mm-hmm. you know not to correct it because the correction is not an aileron, it's a spoiler, and a spoiler gives you even less lift, so you'd be winding out with fire between your legs, fire out the back. Fire <laughs> between your legs, fire out the back. Because I've been that way a few times to Have know you? that that's yep. the truth. <laughs> uh, you just um, you can s- just sense it, the sound of, of the airplane. You can, you can feel and hear the engine and, and, and what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell when it's working. Uh, it's a fairly quiet cockpit. Okay. Uh, it wasn't you know, really, really loud, but you could still hear wind noises too. So you could hear that too. You knew when it got real quiet that you were really slow.
0: (laughs) So all these uh, flight characteristics that aren't quantified by gauges, right? No Mm, steam gauge for Buffett or maybe even not looking at angle of attack indications. So do you know how many roughly, just roughly how many days, weeks, hours, I don't know, it took you to get comfortable in the
1: F-8? Different parts of flying. and Nighttime, never. Okay. Nighttime coming aboard the boat, I was (laughs) on edge every single time. Um, I, I never said no, I wouldn't go, but I... Never really, I might have jumped up a couple times this Yeah, I want to go. But I, it, it was very uncomfortable. I mean, okay. it's just a hard airplane to do. Uh, daytime, even day VFR, you had to be careful uh, around the boat. You mm-hmm. just had to. It was an odd feeling coming aboard because you, uh, you were so close to the boat, and, and it felt so high because we had a three-degree glide slope uh, instead of the two-and-a-half uh, two that they, most of them are using now. Or oh, okay. three-and-a-half yeah. degree or four degree. i
0: yeah, I think we do three and a half. So oh, we do three. I'm sorry. So you probably did it was three. It was
1: probably three and a half to four degrees. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow.
0: Because it really so really looked down. Went down you know, <laughs> you
1: come in, you come to break, and you turn in, and you look. Where's your, Holy cow! it's yeah. It's down here. You know. So it, it's an odd. It's a very odd feeling, and at nighttime. Uh, what You didn't come into the break, you came in straight, but it still you felt very, very high. Yeah. And it, the tendency was to drop the nose. And, and you could have a sink rate and you got the burble behind oh the Oh, yeah, boat, there right, is a so little burble. Not as big a burble on no. the 27 Charlie okay. as there was on the bigger boats. Like the Enterprises was terrible, that big square box of an island they used to yeah, have. That yeah. It was a terrible burble. I had friends that flew F 14s there and said they never really noticed it until there. Oh. Uh, the guys, some guys said... More sensitive butts than me, I guess. They could feel that verbal, you know, when it goes. I never really noticed it, to be honest with you. I really didn't.
0: You were the quintessential LSO with meatball, lineup, angle Angle of attack, right? And you had to do that. And (laughs) the mantra is still good.
1: A quick story I can remember one night coming aboard where I, uh, I was working so hard that night and the ball didn't move, but then all of a sudden the ball just shot down and then shot off the top and it scared me so bad. I went to full power and I'm sitting there and I'm not going anywhere because i trapped. Oh, and we're I are talking was, about the meatball, the right? Meatball, or the yes, Fennel the lens. It's yeah. got a, if, I'm sure most listeners kind of know what gl- that is. Glide slope like indications, the, it, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a big lens where they take little chunks of it and so it goes flat and mm-hmm. there's a ball of light, uh, amber light that you keep between two rows of green datums. Yeah, you Hold it in the middle, that's yeah. the three, and a half, uh, three, three and a half, four degree glide slope. Uh, if it's high, you're high. If it's low, you're low. So, um, keeping it in the middle is hard because you have to keep your angle of attack, which is your speed, mm-hmm. basically. It's just the way we, we indicate our airspeed. It takes all the stuff into control and you keep it at three o'clock, but you have to do that with your, th- with your power and with the nose. You drop the nose, you're going to go fast and you're going to go low, so you have to add more power or get the nose up, you know, and, and you're yeah. keeping that thing there. Yeah. And and then you've got li- uh, lineup. You have to be on lineup because there's not a lot of room out there. I mean... I wish I could remember what it was. It's the same distance to the uh, four wire on a 27 Charlie as it is to the one wire on a big deck. Oh, okay. So uh, we've got like 80 feet is all you've got from the ramp mm-hmm. to the first wire. Oof. And the three wire, they're, they're only 25 feet apart or so, so, you know, 50 more feet. It's not a lot.
0: No, not at so,
1: all. So, you know, you, and you got to be on the center line because there's nothing. It's water on the left side and the right <laughs> side. There <laughs> might be some airplanes and then, you know, then
0: unforgiving metal
1: yeah it, it doesn't dance <laughs> so when what happened is I'd, I'd hit and the nose comes down so you're flying okay. you're flying at an attitude okay. and once the main mounts uh, touch down the nose comes down i didn't even feel touching down and all of a sudden the ball goes down because the nose came down because i'd landed. so it went there and then it shoots off the top because you go by it you know because you're oh, pulling out yeah absolutely i didn't notice the tug i didn't notice anything all i noticed is i went to full power and and then i realized oh this is embarrassing. I'm aboard. <laughs> it was one of the best passes I've ever flown and didn't even know that it was there. Yeah, you, you get so in to, into what's going on.
0: Yeah. Right. Now, the, uh, let's see, the engine at the time, the J57, right? Yes, yeah, the
1: J57, P20, but we had a modification in our, uh, we had uh, the, the J model uh, okay. of the airplane. When they put the BLC or boundary layer control, it yes. shoots hot air, bleed air out of the engine over the wing so that the air doesn't separate uh, at slow speeds that air going out there attracts the the other air so that you can in fact fly slower.
0: Yeah, have you heard it called blown flaps? I think is the other. They may you're, have, that you're right may have... BLC is like the big family name for all yes. these high lift devices. Yes, like. Yeah, and
1: that, probably probably awesome. so I we didn't okay. use that term when I was okay. Okay. Uh, flying in that airplane, but yeah. yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. So uh, by taking that air out of the engine, they yeah. had to bleed some of the thrust so uh-huh. by uh, taking some of that air from the thrust and put it over the BLC, you don't have the thrust coming out the back end, which is excess power if, you if you're need if you in an emergency. So they had to put a bigger engine in. We started having a lot of problems coming aboard people. You get in a spot, you couldn't get out of it. You were going to hit the ramp. You couldn't do it, and you're still pretty far out. We've had guys go all the way to full power, go into burner, and still hit the ramp from a good distance out.
0: Wow. Now that engine, though, I mean, for the time it was a a novel approach to engineering, if you will, because uh, I think it was Leonard Hobbs Mm -hmm. of United Aircraft Corporation. uh, He and his team, they won the Collier Trophy for that, which is just a a prestigious award for aerodynamics because it was the first 10,000-pound pound force, obviously, jet engine for its time. So it was... Very new technique oh. at the time. Did you guys have different zones, or did you have incremented uh, no, afterburner? Uh, no,
1: afterburner was afterburner. You it was on or off? On or off. Uh, you had zones, I think, in the Phantom had, had zones. Yeah, and
0: probably the f fourteen. F-14, F-14 did,
1: for sure, okay. yeah. But yeah. no, in the F-8, when you went out, you had more, some a little more thrust, but not a lot more. Thrust. Once so you went out, that was... When
0: you thrust. say out, you're talking the throttle, the throttle moves, yeah. you out go outward?
1: Yeah, it goes up, then you will boom, and that's, and that's burner. So it's a very deliberate yeah. maneuver. Yeah, it is a maneuver. You can't, it's okay. hard to do it accidentally.
0: Okay, so so even at night when you're mentioning your your spot on landing, if you will, your okay three right. wire, right? Yeah, yeah. You did not select A B no, because no. it's a very intentional
1: maneuver with yeah, the yeah, move, you move go out with the, out the throttle. Okay. Now that uh, it's odd that you would mention that too. My my father was a, a mechanic in the Navy. He oh, was an okay. a, an A D yeah uh absolutely. which uh they had ADRs, adjs later but dad was an a d he just they an aviation mechanic yeah and he was at Pax River okay um uh, going uh through uh on an airplane called the r3y but they uh which was a, a turboprop uh seaplane c- yeah uh, it, it's gone now but uh it had not <laughs> it didn't do very well at all. But he was uh, going through TPS there, and they, uh, while he was there, they trained him on that engine, the uh, Queen Bee, which was the very first P-57. Oh, Dad yeah. was working on that airplane, and he always told me, said, don't tell me about it, but I dropped it once. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, He's notorious.
0: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> But that
1: was back, in, uh, back when the, uh, the astronauts, John, knew John Glenn and oh, all these yeah. guys there, they were going through TPS at that time when Dad was there.
0: Which I guess didn't did John Glenn did he do a transcontinental? Yes, he did speed that in an kind F of eight and I I
1: think he Thanks. I think he did it in a photo airplane but I'm not certain about that because the photo airplane actually went a little faster it was because uh, it was
0: lighter uh, No, or it was cleaner design? it was oh, much cleaner okay.
1: airplane okay. than the others uh, and I'm pretty sure he did but I, I'm not certain That's Honestly, okay. I'm not yeah, certain yeah. but yes he did he. Uh, Went coast to coast in three hours or something like that, I think it was. and it wow. was. yeah. It had to tank a couple of times.
0: So like you said, the thing is fast. Oh, it
1: is fast. It is I fast.
0: mean, so per the specs, it, it, it's fast, it climbs very well. Now, maybe yeah. it wasn't as slow as it should be around the boat. They wanted yeah. it at 100 knots, well, it but came,
1: still. Well, the BLC brought it down. Yeah. That's, that's where we were going with that. And, yeah. and that's why it required a, an ad- addition to the engine. They gave us an additional 1,700 pounds of thrust. Uh, uh, and that's the P420. I see. Okay. And that's what we got in the J's. Huh. Uh, uh, the H we had the P uh, P twenty in it, then we went to the four twenty that gave us that additional thrust, and that was enough to save a lot of lives at the end.
0: Gotcha. But
1: the airplane became a day only fighter because of uh, really poor performance at night around the boat. We were losing too many. We we're going around. Yeah, the it's
0: a it's it's a business decision, right? It, really, it got to the straight point. and yeah. simple. Yeah. Yeah. We still so, did
1: a few because we the CO wanted to do it to pro- prove a point. So I got to. Go fly with him a few times. Right? <laughs> to show him yeah. proofs yeah. in the pudding? Well, the, yeah, show the other guys. Come on, we're going to go flying. Okay, okay, let's go, sir. <laughs> What'd you give me Oh, <laughs> I've done
0: that. Yes, I know about that. So uh, I'm going to circle back to the mm-hmm. variable angle of incidence. That's going to be okay. where the, the wing cracks. And mm-hmm. I love how you described it as the fuselage drops oh, as yeah. opposed to the uh, the wing pops up more, That's right. if you will. Yeah. So when you're going through your, uh, you come in, so it's day. Mm-hmm. And you're going to come in over the carrier do, perform your break mm-hmm. as you're slowing down and you roll wings level, I'm assuming you're going to dirty up, so drop the gear mm-hmm. and flaps at that point. Is there another switch for the angle of incidence to have the wing break, yeah, if you will?
1: We don't have flaps. We don't lower the flaps. We raise the wing, drop yeah. the fuselage. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. And and that's it was, so cool. There's a, a handle that okay. came up and looked like a broomstick with a red button on it. You just go outside of a little uh, detent yeah. and pull it up. So and okay. that puts the slats out, what flaps we have came down, yeah. and the wing went up. And you saw all all this holding that thing on there is a tube that's about what an inch and a half in diameter and about t- two and a half feet long. Wow! Ah, okay. And it's not to keep it from pulling off; it's to, to keep it from pushing down. Oh! You have to force it up. It wants to stay down because uh, all oh. the center of pressure is in the aft part of the wing, trying to get it to go oh, down. Oh!
0: Wants to tell, Yeah, Absolutely. I totally get that. That's int- I always I would think the opposite. Intuitively. There are two
1: guys that lost the wing in the airplane. Oh. Uh, neither one of them are with us anymore. Oh, sorry. But the. Uh, the the wing left the airplane from the aft portion and went forward. That's that's where the, the pressure was.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, one was in the brake and the other one was flat heading out over uh, uh, the desert over here. Oh geez. Over the hills on the other side.
0: Okay. Of and then when you did activate that, when you broke the wing, mm-hmm. or you, lo- I'm sorry, you lowered the fuselage. Um, good. Did, did, no, I love it. And I think it was up to maybe
1: seven degrees or something.
0: It was, oh, it's I mean, quite that be pretty dramatic. Yeah, yeah it was quite a bit. That sounds,
1: I don't know the exact okay, number. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. Because but, I flew it, I didn't build it. So.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and you flew it quite well. But did you, I'm sure you get used to it kind of like living by the train tracks, you mm-hmm. get used to the noise. But when you drop the fuselage, you must perceive it every time. You must... Or no, it's... I'll
1: be honest with you. It yeah. felt like lowering the flaps in any other airplane. That's okay. just exactly what it felt like. Okay. Now you had to be you had to be cognizant of what was going on. I can. We took off. I had a cat shot in, in Vietnam, fully loaded, which is just you know sidewinders and uh, bullets and okay. full gas. 130 degrees outside. 120 degrees outside. Oh
0: yeah,
1: hot. Um, and it's muggy and you know and you, you go to a certain speed and the wings got to be down by a certain speed. Well, I lowered you know raised the fuselage lower the wing <laughs> and all of a sudden it started really cocking up and going toward the water so I had to put the Ooh. wing back up even though I was everything was right yeah. it, was, uh, it was that that, that, that bad a kind of day was that something? hot yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the air density was so oh, uh, wow. so thin that it just wouldn't work it just wouldn't, wouldn't enough.
0: And there was never a time that they had a computer that would govern that. uh, You're talking to the computer. Yeah, the the soft pink organic interface. That's the one. (laughs) The only thing
1: of any computer in that airplane at the time, I'm pretty sure was the gun sight. There was something in that thing. It was a lead computing gun sight, so Uh that was there. But that was the only computer we had in the airplane.
0: Wow. So um, you talked about the wing and, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the departure of the wings and the loss of of some teammates there. Mm -hmm. But I saw a story back in the 60s where out of Naples, there's a, an F-8 that took off with the wings folded, as in it oh. actually went weight off wheels, climbed up to 5,000 feet, realized the poor takeoff checklist execution,
1: we'll call it. That, and he couldn't see his <laughs> wing. <then>. <laughs> <laughs> and he came back and landed. Have you ever heard about that? Yeah, it happened in Miramar. Oh, it did? Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, also, that's happened yeah. More than once, Yeah. Uh, one guy got had jumped out. Uh, oh. he, he lost control of it and it went into the houses there in University City. Oh. I don't think anybody was hurt. Oh, good. Okay. I think he got out. Good. But yeah, I, that's happened a few times. Uh, Sheesh. But that's you know sort of on the checklist. Yeah, so, well, yeah.
0: But, I mean, yeah. just the thing, it's designed, it's such a robust design. It doesn't yeah. need its full wing to fly. No. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. crazy. I'm no. sure they had to probably jettison the ordinance and dump some gas or something that, yeah if
1: in fact yeah if, if he had any the gentleman that
0: stayed with it yeah. in Naples Yeah,
1: I think it happened at least twice but maybe even three times because okay. I, I I talked to one guy that did it and I can't remember his name mm-hmm. I'd keep it to myself anyway <laughs> but, uh, we'll just call him Bob Bob, Bob. Bob. B-A-U-G-H-B Bob <laughs>
0: So just an amazing piece of engineering feat, I would say, yeah. with that. So, okay, we touched a little bit on the armament. So this was indeed the last gunfighter. Is that a true statement? Well, at
1: that time, yes. Okay. The uh, F-18 uh, has guns now, I believe. Oh,
0: that's a great point. That's a great point. Yes. So so what was the what was the main armament, would you say, for the air-to-air Air arena?
1: Um, well, actually, it was a Sidewinder, because they didn't get that many kills in Vietnam uh, with the guns. They were there... Um, but we, uh, and I used them for strafing a lot. Okay. I mean, I mean, we did, I did it quite a bit. Matter of fact, the, um, had a lot of missions, did a lot of things over in Vietnam, but the one that sticks in my mind was a close air support mission where we had yeah. 27 Marines who were trapped by 200 and some Vietnamese. Oh. And uh, they, were, they came up screaming for help. And myself and my wingman were in the air. Uh, Brian Foy was with me, was, mm-hmm. was his name uh and what checked in said yeah we're here what can what can you do he said we got this and the guys are they're like 80 feet in front of them there and they're under fire and and when he's talking uh on the ground you could hear the guy on the ground talking to the fact and you could hear the bullets going off in the background
0: so So the fact being the forward air control control. yes i'm sorry
1: and um and it was uh, 26 or 27 marines um, oh. And so I said, yeah, you got us. We're here. Um, where are they? You know, we're in the yeah. market. So, yeah, how did they market? Well, he, he uh, put up a, a flare. and says you go 240 two, at, you know, 80 feet, and that's the line.
0: 80 feet. Is that danger close?
1: 80 feet? Yes. And I, so I had to come in, and that's the scaredest I ever was in the war. Wow. No and I, I got shot out a lot, And I was in the middle of an awful lot of stuff. I've never been that scared because uh, that's our kids there. Yeah. And uh, I, I had to shoot right. Uh, I tried to come down the line as much as I could, yeah. uh, but I had to shoot over their heads a couple of times, and I knew one oh. bullet short going to take our kids out. Yeah. Uh, my wingman got three bullets out in his guns jam. So I wound up with 200 rounds of a mic mic. Yeah. Um, and then I was coming in with a burner, setting trees on fire, whatever I could do to scare them off. Setting
0: the trees on whatever fire?
1: Whatever was around there. I came in low, yeah. tapped Used the burner, the everything available. I had. And, uh, uh, we got most of them. I got 160 kills. Uh, and uh, it's what I saw in the message. I didn't keep the message. So okay. Them, but uh, I think it was 164 KIA. Uh, and they ran away. And, and our guys... Didn't lose a one.
0: Oh. Didn't lose a that's one. That's a blessing. That's it was. But defying. that is the wow.
1: scariest I ever was in the war. Yeah. Just because we wow. happened to be that close... Uh, to those kids, and you could, you could hear the fear in their voice on the radio. You could oh, hear it. Yeah. And the bullets going off. And, and it wasn't fear. I mean, it was and, and not panic, but it was, hey, we got to do something now, or this yeah. is going to get ugly. Gonna get ugly. <laughs> I,
0: gonna mean, get it, ugly. Uh, I mean, when you say 80 feet, that just is stunning because. It, it is. I, I mean, think if you the, think
1: about it. You know, yeah, well, also, that house up there.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. And I wish the listeners could see, but for the, the folks on the uh, podcast here, so the Hornet, I believe, memory serves, is 44 feet wide. So you're talking less than two yeah. hornet wits are the bad guys. And I, I know you it know? sounds
1: unbelievable, but boy, I can still, visual, I can see it right now. Some of the, some of the, some of the passes yeah. right now, I can still visualize what was going on.
0: And you're, you're in an analog plane. I mean, oh, yeah. no doubt about it. I mean, sheesh.
1: And that's where, you know, you just, and we had to, uh, had to use a grease pencil sometimes. Did you? you yeah. Had, yeah. Book you had on to. the windscreen? You <laughs> had to. Absolutely had to. You put it on, you could put it on the, uh, uh, we had a, a plate. We had a gun sight plate, but we, we'd put it on that thing. On certain ones, was, and this one I did then.
0: Yeah, so you that, would calibrate uh, on deck? or uh, Well, this pre- time I had to do it in the air. Okay. I
1: mean, I knew what it was. And, yeah. Because uh, and, and, at the time, we, we had written a lot, bunch of stuff down. It's going to be this for this. But, you know, you change the angle, and it's sometimes it you, know, you kind of have to pull it out of the nether regions. And, and, uh, do that
0: pilot stuff. You have to we'll do some pilot it. stuff, yeah. Yeah, sheesh. Uh, okay, so we got the guns, four of them. Uh, 20, millimeter, 20 millimeter, that was yeah. kind of new, right? Yeah. They, they, had, yeah. they had smaller ones before, and they yeah, realized they, in Korea, I guess, that wasn't... The
1: spec was for a half-inch bullet, and uh, yeah. 20 millimeters, three-quarters of an inch, so... That, so there fit. you go. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> they achieved it. Yeah. But it did, did it jam a lot, though? You mentioned your wingman jams.
1: I've had some jams. I had some jams in uh, air to gunnery practice and stuff okay. like that. I never had it happen to me in, in combat that I remembered. If, if so, I'd have been Cousins a lot You'd have heard it.
3: <laughs> and you hadn't even
1: been born yet, you'd have heard it. And our RDs were awesome. It just yeah. sometimes it happens because yeah. we, you know, we don't actually put all the links to, on on all the bullets. That's done by other people at times. Okay. And it, it didn't happen that much, but it did happen. I, I've known of it to happen a couple of times.
0: Okay. Uh, you talked about the Aim Nines already. Mm-hmm. How about the Mighty Mouse, the uh, the Rockets?
1: I never used them. I, no? Uh, okay. no, they kind of did away with a lot of those at the beginning. Uh, I shot Zunis in training. Okay. Now, that's a five-inch sidewinder without guidance. You know, absolutely, it's, yeah, it's fun a, to shoot. I was going to say, how exciting is oh, that? Oh, it was. We sh- we shot them out here at um, out the desert in, mm-hmm. in El Centro. Oh yeah. And they have they had a course out there that had trucks and stuff in it, old trucks, and we'd go in there and uh, they a fac would tell us where stuff was, and we get to shoot those. And that's the only I shot those about four or five times, and and that was a hoot. I mean, I really enjoyed that. That was fun. Wow.
0: Have you ever done any night strafing?
1: Uh, yes, somewhere. I can't remember, if it might have been the F-14 I did it in. Okay. I didn't do, it in, the, I didn't do yeah. it in the war, didn't do it in the war at all. Okay. But I have done it at times. You, yeah.
0: But. I just remember, so with the, the Hornet, you know, the, uh, the M61A mm-hmm. is in, coming out the nose. Right. And you get the hot gun gas basically oh, coming out. I love that smell. Yeah, I love the smell. And also at night with an NVG's night vision goggles oh, on, yeah. and you're in a dive and you, um, you squeeze the trigger, it's almost like in Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon, where all the stars become these lines. Yeah. Anyway, so it's kind of... No, I've done I've done epic.
1: that. I've shot it. In, well, another quick story? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Of course. <laughs> uh, we used to have a thing called uh, BarCap, Barrier Combat Air Patrol. Yes. Yeah, uh, Where we'd go up and you'd have two, um, uh, just two F-8s would go up and you would have 2 just 2 f 8s to go up and we would just fly back and forth. And they could see on their radar, hey, look, you can't get the carrier because you got fighters up here, they, and that's all it's for. It's just a combat air patrol in case the bad guys come out. We're there to shoot, shoot, shoot. So them. it's almost a turn. Uh Yeah, that's but but, of, but you could
0: it. employ obviously. Yeah, yeah, any, no, yeah, And
1: we're loaded. I mean, yeah. we uh, we yeah. got two sidewinders and fully uh, fully yeah. uh, okay. loaded with uh, twenty nightlight. Light. But the uh, we, uh, it's three hours long. I mean, it's boring. You know, it's a yeah. it's an hour and a half, hour and forty five cycle. I think we did on those things. So it winds up being a two and a half hour flight, something like that. So you okay. have to tank. Yeah. So we get rid of to tank, and we uh, had a, we had A fours with buddy stores, and they'd come up to tank. Well, I, you know, tanking the thing is it's a little challenging because this uh, the the thing is behind you. I mean, it's it's So not, the
0: probe is behind. Yeah, you. You actually, can't see the
1: tip of the. Oh probe. no no it's it's back over here behind you. But you <laughs> you set up with the basket. Yeah. And and you put it in the you know a cut through the windscreen and then okay. and then, right. then you. You go, you know, you just add a little power and you just drive up the thing and, and it clunk and you're in and you get some gas. So, and You push so it in and it, it retracts. Uh, okay, hold there. on, wait, Jerry. So you're telling me that
0: you you can't see the probe tip as you're oh, no, consummating you, no. the intercept there. You can't,
1: it's behind you. I mean, you start doing yeah, that, you start God. fencing with yeah. it if you do that. So, so it's it, it,
0: all canopy gouge?
1: It's yeah, like yeah. You, you get cues. the hose. The hose yeah. is constant. Yeah. So you just kind of put the hose where it belongs. You know where it is. You set it up out here to start with in front okay. of yeah. you. Okay, yeah. And then see where the hose is and just keep the hose there. You know, drive in and keep the hose there, and and it, it kind of goes out a little because of the bow wave. Yep, right. But right. then, thump, you, you usually get it. And the well, bow wave is
0: just because the, the nose of the jet's pushing the air. Yeah, it pushes the air away, so it'll kind of lose it out a little bit. Yeah. It's not
1: much, but just enough so you have to. Uh,
0: but once you make contact, will you look over to visually No,
1: just search. If there you see the wiggle in the hose, and you just you push know. it in. Yeah. If it goes in a you know you got it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty common. That's simple. <laughs> yeah, it's Come simple. on, sunshine. <laughs> I mean, the light turns green, you get gas. That's a. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I got also. No, it's okay. Uh, And you know, it's boring. It's two o'clock in the morning, and it's a clear night. Okay. So in the, in the Gulf, they have a lot of fishermen out there in, in what they call banca boats. They're Gulf just, of... Gulf of Tonkin, I'm thank sorry. Thank you. That's okay. Uh, and banca boats are just little, little fishing boats that are maybe okay. uh, 20 feet long, 15 feet kind of long. little, little wooden things fly. with yeah. a sail kind of thing? Uh, or, I think well, okay, but uh, They've got outboard motors in most oh. of them. I don't think they're sailed. I think okay. they're... Uh, they may have that for backup, but I just don't remember that. But okay. it's nighttime. All I know is they, oh. have, they have a bow light. Okay. And the stars... Uh oh, and it's just all Uh-oh. one big fishbowl. There, are the yep. lights down there go right. So into there's the no horizon. There's zero horizons. No oh, moon. Oh man. And so you got a little vertigo to start with. Yeah, way, you know, totally. So I, I flew one whole cruise leaning against the canopy, you know, because you, that's the only thing that was solid in the airplane. But I go in and and I missed. And I'm pretty good. I didn't. I mean, I'm not the best in the world. Second. You done it a few Second, times. maybe. Second. <laughs> so humble. <laughs> And uh, so I backed out, and it was it's a uh, ziplip. We can't talk. Ziplip means yeah. okay. you know, radio silence. And so I backed out, and I just clicked, so I'm going to start again. And I started in, and I missed again.
0: Hmm.
1: So this is not right, so I backed out. And I clicked. I was going in, and I just sat there. And, uh, and then a little bit later, I saw his rudder kind of go, so the, 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 the drogue went away from me. You know, it just it, it skidded the airplane, so the, it, it took it took... The basket and moved it out away from yeah. him. Yeah. So I just lowered down about five feet or so, armed the guns, and fired a burst not underneath him. What? <laughs> hey. One I'm burst back here. with with tracers, and his airplane went. Anyway, click click. <laughs> and I didn't have any trouble tanking
0: that. So today. is that the effect of uh dare I say bitch slapping the <laughs> tanker? <laughs> Pretty close. It's a night nighttime
1: bitch slap with and, a twenty millimeter cannon. I saw, uh, I saw him in the passageway when we got done. He kind of winked at me and giggled, and I smiled back at him. <laughs> but he, he was never a, a word was said all Not about a word not, was said at well, he, knew. <laughs> he knew. He knew. He knew. Was, he was a great guy. We had some superb pilots out there.
0: Oh, well, you have to with oh, that yeah. plane. I mean, you do not have the automation we do today. Oh, no. There's no. And the A-4 is the
1: same way. The A-4 was oh, a, yeah. on, really, it's just as, it was actually designed about the same time as the F-8 was. Wow.
0: Um, sorry, circling back the order. Yeah, yeah, How about, right. no, 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 yeah, but the bullpup, the AGM-12, did you ever employ no, that? Nope,
1: we didn't, I didn't carry okay. it, I never carried it. And then, the uh. The A4s uh, did, did a lot of those, the bullpup. And they did, the, okay. Uh, yeah, the uh, walleye and stuff like that, they, they did some of those.
0: Gotcha, okay. Another question, so we went through the strengths and weaknesses, uh, the variants. Okay. So just me looking online, looks like about 27 different variants, but a lot of them are prototypes. There's some one-offs, if you right. will. Uh, NASA uses it for, uh, they used it as proof of concept oh, yeah. for fly-by-wire. Yeah. Right? Um, that weird
1: wing. They had that slanted wing, forward and aft wing. They did that thing in an f Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly right. So It was done on a Moffat. Oh, was it? Really? Just yep. south of mm-hmm.
0: San Francisco Bay. Right. San mm-hmm. Francisco Bay. Very nice. Um, so what variants have you flown
1: in? Well, in the F-8, the only ones, I've had three. Uh, I had the F-8H Hotel. And that uh, was uh, a faster version. Came aboard about 140, 550 knots because it didn't have uh, the boundary layer control in the airplane to slow it down. And um, I'm thinking it had a different kind of slats in it too. But but we had both in the rag. Uh, Then the J, the the first J, and it was kind of of gutless because it had more flaps. And uh, once they put BLC in it, I mean, it was a dog. It was just really slow. I Hmm. didn't like flying that at all. And then they put the big engine in it, and that gave us eight, you know, almost 1,800 pounds more thrust. That, that fixed it. That fixed that problem. Gotcha. And that was, They all flew pretty much the same, except the H was a little bit more fun in the dogfight, just a little cleaner. So you, the way you would accelerate uh, when you're ready to get, get it on yeah. is you would bunt the airplane about half a G, make sure the slats are up, uh, mm-hmm. and you do that with, with, I hadn't thought about this in 50 years, but you do that by rotating the throttle handle uh, top aft. And that would raise the, the slats. Do it the other way; the slats would come down. So, slat controls
0: on top of the throttle. Yes.
1: Now these are cruise slats, not landing slats. The same uh, mechanism, but one only went down like two degrees, and it oh, gave you a little better, better yeah, wing
0: camber, yeah. for
1: for uh, for dogfighting. Oh, you got okay. a little more lift. Uh, you, dig in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you could dig in better. So, but so clean, I mean, you could accelerate like a bandit. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. do that, bunt burner and you'd pick up a lot of speed and so, the h did better
0: okay so when you say fun with a dog fight which i totally agree are you more of a two-circle guy in this kind of fight the you know is it more of a rate fight or is it more of a one-circle radius fight
1: it's do whatever it takes to kill him
0: yes mm-hmm.
1: you pass head-on the way yep. these things do start about know, four miles apart merge, yeah you go you go by yeah. each other i don't know 100 feet apart Oof, you know, yeah. 200 feet, uh, whatever speed you want, it's your, yep. it's your oh, fight, yeah, yeah. do whatever you want, and fight's on. As soon as the nose is passed, the fight's on, and you do whatever it takes. And, and everybody usually would turn into the guy. Well, you keep your eye on him, and you can tell, after a while, mm-hmm. when he comes into the cockpit to see what his speed is. And how would you know that? The airplane just relaxes. You can see it. So he eases the G. Yeah. When, he, when He's pulling and looking over his shoulder. Yeah, you, yep, yep, totally. And all of a sudden, he'll come in like this, and he just eases the G a little bit. And you can kind of see the airplane. It just kind of eases. The wing yeah. will come. As soon as he does that, I would reverse. And I'd go down. Right? And the guy come back looking. He couldn't find me. And, <laughs> and if you lose sight, you, you lose, lose the fight. You, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, other, the other half is, you know, you, just, you learn if you've got too much uh, crossing angle. On yeah. the guy, you know, you figure out a way to do something that's not... Displacement roll or whatever, you, Displacement, a yeah. uh, high yeah. yo-yo, a low yo-yo, whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah, 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 that yeah. meaning you pull the nose up and it looks like, you know, a little up I'm and down type thing. and yeah. Or, or, or you, you do a displacement uh, barrel roll away, whatever it takes. Just yeah. ease and know when it's time to leave. Use yes. that as an escape maneuver, too, to, to haul ass, pardon my friends, out, yeah, of, yeah. Out, of, out of dodge. You want to get totally it away from it right? to come back in again. yeah maybe it's huh. an advantage unexpected is what you want to be and i was pretty decent i, I didn't really know what <laughs> I, I was going to do at the time
0: wow jerry so uh i don't want to stop you but i i got I got a couple more questions just want to roll through so notoriety of the f8 uh-huh. so tell me uh cuban missile crisis let's rewind to about 62 right mm-hmm. the early 60s anyway do you know anything about that?
1: Uh, I remember when it happened. I was in high school. I was a senior in high school. I graduated in '63. So when that did happen, I know that uh, the Russians were sending uh, had already positioned missiles in Cuba. Okay, Kennedy says that's not going to happen. So we started to blockade some stuff, and we wanted to prove it. So what they wound up doing was sending a whole bunch of, uh, of airplanes down to uh, Key West and yes. into Florida. Okay. And uh, to prove it, they uh, sent a couple of uh, pilots or two airplanes from uh, I think it was VFP sixty three, but it could have been VFP sixty
0: two. You're both. You're yes and yes. You're okay. Correct. Good. Spot on.
1: And what they did is they went in on a, a normal photo run, which is the same as the photo runs that we. Uh, we had which uh, are we know. talking?
0: You two high altitude? Kind oh no, of no, stuff? we're
1: we're talking in on the deck. We're talking like dragging feet. your
0: nuts across yeah, the ground.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes, a thousand feet, five hundred feet. You want it? You come in below the radar; they don't see you coming. Yeah, can't hear you because they come really fast. Okay, um, you know you're already gone by before uh, they know you're there. They know where they're going. Uh, no, they didn't have eye, uh, GPS or any of that stuff.
0: <laughs> this, yeah. this is
1: a little before that, but they. Uh, we knew how to DR, we knew how to look at the ground, uh, direct reckoning. You uh, you knew how to uh, uh, find your way in the company. I, I've got a couple of stories on that uh, as well. Uh, during Vietnam, when I had to do the same sort of thing, not as good as what these guys did, but the okay. same sort of thing. And they just went in, they found the target that they were supposed to get, and they took uh, thousands of thousands of photos. And they're all taken with a big old camera on the side of the F8. They've got camera on the front, and they got cameras on the side. Okay. And, uh, they took some fire, but not much. If I'm remembering right, uh, no no air to uh, surface to air missiles. I don't believe, but okay. they a lot of ground fire, 37 millimeter, and, oh. and, and most of us the Russians. You know, 37 and 57. Uh, uh, I don't think they had any uh, 103s or whatever. Whatever that one was. Oh, the bigger ones. Yeah, uh, and then they uh, got out, and I think they went back to Key West is what I think they did. That, I
0: and I believe Jacksonville, Florida.
1: Uh, well, they, they got up to Jack's. Yeah. Um, they may yeah. have tanked and got all the way to Jack's. Yeah, I think so. And what they did is they turned them right around and sent them to D.C. They didn't trust them to take that stuff out. They wanted to get this stuff to the Pentagon right away. Yeah. I want to say the guy's name was Coffee was one of the pilots, and I couldn't okay. find it this morning. Okay. But I had dinner with him. Uh, people that lived up oh. the hill uh, from me uh, here here in town uh, were friends with his. And, uh, yeah. And we made very good friends with them. Uh Later on in our life, we'd been in our house for twenty years before we ever met him, and he lived okay. four doors away huh but he oh, was really? a, yeah. the guy the guy was a world war II uh, uh thunderbolt uh, pilot and uh oh, wow. uh wanted to be in the military out of shade of paris and n- another story another lifetime uh, <laughs> he, he saw me getting a little trouble there. <laughs> um but he uh had this guy over for dinner and he was very humble fun to talk to being yeah. another f8 guy oh
0: yeah totally right and,
1: and bill uh, uh the guy that uh, invited us to dinner was having a ball just sitting and listening to the story so.
0: <laughs> but he had
1: more stories than me i mean i mean it was a different well, uh, time but boy was a boy was it fun that, to listen yeah.
0: to so i guess i think the whole mission set we'll call it lasted six weeks and yeah. during those six weeks, they produced over 160,000 images yeah. that were sent up to DC to check on the Russians and their implementation. Exactly.
1: And, and that, that gave you know, them that gave us Cuba. the proof
0: exactly. that they
1: actually were doing what we. What they, We said they were doing, and they, yeah. they denied. And but they, they,
0: yeah, and then they flinched, and uh, at, the red is history. That's
1: exactly right.
0: Do you know anything about a stencil of a dead chicken on the side of the R.I.B. I had
1: heard about that, but no. Okay. I, 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 I guess
0: know. that was a significance, because it was like the mission accomplishment. So instead of shooting down somebody and yeah. stamping that kind of plane on, this, on underneath the canopy, yeah. they would st- uh,
1: stencil a dead, dead chicken. chicken. No, yeah. I had not heard that. I okay. think I read that uh, recently, but <laughs> I did not know that.
0: So and then I believe all those pilots that did that those those two sortie goes a day right the section goes excuse right. me a day they all got distinguished flying crosses
1: yeah I saw they got the DFC for that and they deserved that and they yeah. did a really good job they really really did a good job and they did it well uh, and it it wasn't that easy to, to do I was on several photo escorts because all the photos uh, missions in Vietnam they, the photo pilots didn't go alone they always went uh, with one or. Uh, with just another fighter. Yeah. I was trying to think of his two, but it wasn't. It was just the photopilot and, and me, or yeah. one of the other guys in the squad. Yeah.
0: Now, I got to ask, and I know you were very humble, I can tell immediately that, but uh, do you happen to have any. Uh uh, I never got a
1: DFC. No, uh, no,
0: but just any kind of. Uh, oh, I have several.
1: Uh, yeah, I've got several air medals and individual yeah. strike, uh, not just strike flight. You get. We used to if you got fourteen points or twenty one points or something, you got there one is. air medal. Yes. And I wound up with I don't know twenty or those, <laughs> and uh, but then I've got I got several uh, other air medals for individual action. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my DFCs were all downgraded to plane captain of the month, so uh,
0: <laughs> it's um, all good. Oh man! So and then uh, circling back to Vietnam, so mm-hmm. the kill ratio was nineteen to three. Yeah, and you had mentioned earlier very few were gun kills. I think only about four. Four, I, th- I yeah. believe it was
1: four. Was uh, yeah, uh, what what I remembered. A um, lot of
0: sidewinder employment. Yeah, and
1: it was all uh, early on. It was the Bravo, which was a, a really bad uh, aim nine. Aim nine is the sidewinder. Yeah, uh, and the Bravo was the early ones. The Delta, uh, which is the ones we carried mainly uh, while I was there. That's all we carried. I don't. They had some Charlies, which was actually a radar, a sidewinder. Really? Yeah, and and the F eight yeah. was one of the few that used it. Uh, okay. I had a, a guy that was our ops officer, our maintenance officer at the time, and then ops officer as well during the war. Boyd Rapture, Boyd actually sh- shot some of those things. Okay. Uh, and he said, "Oh, they're okay. Uh, it Didn't hit much. Uh, it, it was you know, it was same size, five inch round, It had a very, mm-hmm. very early radar uh, for guidance okay. on it, and we controlled it in the airplane." Um, we, had a, we had a radar scope in it. Um,
0: so it's semi-active. It uses the radar energy from the plane, bounces off the target, and it receives that we, and yeah. goes toward the... I,
1: I, we, I never shot one, and okay. I, we really weren't okay. trained on it, so I, I, okay. I, I don't know yeah. that much about the real intricacies of it. Okay. Just knows it's in our book. and, yeah. uh, and They huh. never had any on the ship or, or never had any two-shoots, so we didn't get to. Shot a lot of uh, Ds, uh, and I think I shot one or two mics later in the f 14
0: so now, 1903, you obviously contributed to that, and you are the only guy that didn't have to squeeze a trigger at all. To, I uh, to mark I actually up a made kill. Paul
1: Harvey. I don't know if you know who Paul Harvey I, is. I, the rest of the story. My that's it. My grandmother heard it uh, in, in Caldwell, Idaho, where we okay. talked about my Meg scare, <laughs> and and his comment was, "It was the most cost-effective kill of the world." I
0: totally. You are the most efficient <laughs> war fighter I have ever that's met.
1: Right. You know, I, I may be thin, but I've got a really <laughs> nasty grimace.
0: <laughs> <laughs> scary, scary. In the- I had
1: heard. They had a, uh, a get-together on the Midway last year, or year okay. before last, where they brought uh, the guys that were involved in MiG kills and shoot-downs of U.S. airplanes oh. to the Midway, and the guys that were involved here uh, shooting th- those guys down, and they got together in a symposium on the Midway and somewhat okay. place else in town. I, unfortunately... Have a job and at the time and and I was caught out of town and, oh, and I shit, missed it. Stephen, okay, but I was uh, told that the guy that I scared down um, was there. Mm-hmm. But they they come up with a name. Had his name, and I looked it up, and he's a doctor now. So a doctor. He survived and he, he survived, and, and he awesome. was a doctor in North Vietnam. So doing good things for their, his country. Yeah. So I'm I'm proud of him. If that if that in fact is the truth, I'm very very proud of him. And I'm glad I didn't. Shoot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it worked yeah. out. It worked out. Um, now I've been calling you Jerry the whole time, and I didn't even introduce you by your call sign. So no, you did at the a call for there. Did I, yeah, I throw yeah, it out did. there? Okay. So is there any story to Turkey?
1: Well, as you know, with your call sign of Sunshine, I'm sure I can. Having <laughs> met you for the first time, I know where it came from. But the uh, yes, you don't choose a call sign. Uh,
0: you are awarded sign. a
1: call sign. Exactly. When I was in the in the rag, the placement air group uh, at Miramar. Uh, we'd do uh, dogfighting, and and what you do, the first one back usually wins. Well, I would come, I would come back, and I would draw the fight uh, up on the on the on the board with an airplane uh, getting shot at by. Uh, to back up just a little bit, I thought since my last name is Tucker, Fryer would be a good call. Oh, so. Fryer Tuck, Tuck. Tuck. It, it rolls off me, the tongue. It, yeah, it sounded like it would work. Yeah. So I had an, an F eight really pulling really hard with contrails coming off the wingtips and. <laughs> And a, uh, a, a frying chicken in, in a frying pan. Oh, okay. Shooting him down. Fryer, okay. Fryer, gotcha, pie. gotcha. Makes sense. Well, the guy I was fighting against was uh, Rick Phillips. Okay. Uh, Barfly was his call sign. Barfly. D- you can <laughs> yeah, no, decide where that one came from. One. Um, he, had, uh, he came in and he looked up, and we just got back from the tactics op, and I'd, I'd, hmm. I'd shot him. And he looked at that, and he said, You know, that's not a fryer. That's a turkey. Oh, and it yep. stuck.
0: And that was it. That's that was all it, it took.
1: That's all it took. And if so. you show any resistance, that's right. Oh yeah, yep. I tried not to, but, <laughs> exactly. but you now it stuck. So I want to be in Turkey from then on. And now, and now people, I still get my emails from my really good friends from back then. Everybody and you're calls just Turkey.
0: Yeah, everybody. they may not even know your first name. Some
1: don't. You know? Some yeah. really don't. <laughs> I've gotten mail address Jerry t- Turkey.
0: Jared Turkey. Yeah. Tucker Turkey, potato, yeah, yeah. potato. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. <laughs> as long as I got the street address right. So.
1: That's right. I still get it.
0: Wow. Well, thank you very much, oh, Turkey. It's been my it's pleasure. Been, it's, no, it's been my pleasure uh, and my honor. So oh, thank you. And I just love that you're almost a neighbor. That's you know right. What I'm saying? Yeah, so, you are. It's a great place to live. I'll Good. say that. Thank so, you. Thanks, so thanks, thanks you for your very work. Much. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. All right,
3: sunshine. Wow. You and I have diverse backgrounds, but Turkey—we can't hand a, we can't hold a candle to this guy. No, he takes the cake, man. Totally agree. All right. yeah. So let me get this straight: A4, F4, yep. F8, mm-hmm. F100. Although he says he didn't fly it very much, he was a landing signal officer. Mm-hmm. He was a Blue Angel—not once, but twice. Twice, dude. A poor, a poor, a pro tour <laughs> golf caddy. Are you kidding me? Holy smokes! And then a captain at uh southwest for the
0: longest time amazing amazing jill i'll tell you what i'm waiting for the book to come out to be honest with you so he's uh (laughs) he's a very humble dude but yeah he was a great interview just a a great all-around guy someone you'd love to go share a beer with and just hear more and more sea stories well we can maybe do that figuratively this guy's local you said right he is indeed
3: Well, to our earlier point about answering questions, maybe with a third party, we should grab him and do a Facebook Live session because I have to think he could keep people riveted.
0: Uh, He keeps me riveted and I would love the Facebook Live (laughs) and I may even be jealous and or excuse me, selfish and not not let the uh, folks ask questions. I may do all the asking. (laughs)
3: Uh, Well, all right. Well, maybe we can sneak one in there. Well, at any rate, when we edited this interview, and I hated to do it, but it was a great long discussion. And sounds like we got through all the different what does it do and what's it good at and all the variants and all that. But there was so much more. And we did chop some of that out. And we will make that available on Patreon for our show supporters. As part of that support, they gain access to exclusive content. So if you want to check that out, head on over to p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com and look for the Fighter Pilot Podcast. And we'll add any new terms to our glossary on the website, as we always do, fighterpilotpodcast.com. But Sunshine, there was two things I wanted you to articulate or explain a little further for us. First off, you guys said ensign, killer. Now, what does that mean? What, what was, How is an airplane an ensign killer?
0: Yeah. So back in the day there, ensign would be the first rank in the Navy, right? So sometimes flight school can be so accelerated, especially during wartime, the guys will finish, they'll get commissioned, finish flight school, get their wings and become an ensign. And then that's when they're green. And that's when they know just enough to be dangerous. So this plane apparently was a little unwieldy specifically for takeoffs and landings. And so the the new guys, it was kind of trial by fire, or what I'd call Darwinism. <laughs>
3: okay. So an ensign is a rank, and then the equivalent is, let's say, a second lieutenant in the Army, Air Force, or Marine Corps. Absolutely. Okay. But the first rank you have is an officer in the Navy and what? The Coast Guard. And I think even in the Star Trek series, maybe. I don't know. I think they used our <laughs> ranks. Was Ensign. Okay. And, dude, I have to challenge you on this. 88% of all F-8 Crusaders were involved in some sort of mishap. Are you kidding me?
0: Uh, crazy. Yeah. Now, we're, cons- we're considering a mishap as an operational loss, so not a combat loss. And and truth be told, Jello, we actually rounded the number up. It's 87.7, so we rounded oh, it up dear. to 88. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so, basically... <laughs> 1,261 airframes rolled off the assembly line, of which 1,106 were involved in operational mishaps, so just around the boat or just during normal flight administration, if you will. And that number there is 87.7, which rounds up to 88. They only lost three in combat. And going back to the operational losses and kind of the idea of the ensign killer. So there were a few design flaws that they did add some patchwork to, if you we will, to fix. There was a directional instability. That would be the yaw stuff. So kind of yawing back and forth. And they're going to add some ventral fins, which will help that out. But there's also an additional longitudinal instability, especially during takeoffs and landings. So we could talk about over rotation or stalling out the aircraft. So these would be big pitfalls, obviously, with the aircraft lending itself further to the name Ensign Killer. Okay. Yeah, now that that variable incidence wing, the thing that breaks, you know, so you can get a higher alpha, which is a slower approach speed. Well, if the mechanism was damaged for the variable incidence wing, then these guys would have to come in at over 200 knots so that they don't uh, scrape the tail on the runway. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Come in at 200 knots because their tire speed was not much above that. So you're really painting yourself into a very small corner trying to get back aboard or trying to land at the beach so and then finally um specific to flight deck performance the nose gear was positioned well aft of the pilot so he had trouble just kind of with a a human factor side of trying to understand the dynamics of the turn it took a little bit of getting used to how to turn this thing and there's not a lot of room for air as you know on the flight deck when you're taxing around
3: Right. No, you guys did talk about that. And I can't
0: recall if that ended up in this
3: interview or if we cut that for Patreon. But either way, yeah, that was an interesting story about where the nose wheel is. And in a lot of different aircraft, you have to figure that out. Even in my airline capacity now, you have to take turns a little wide. But, wow, that is crazy. I did not know that about the F-8. And especially that the angle of incidence, effectively what you're telling me is by lowering the fuselage, as you put it in the interview, you're saving about 60 knots because if you don't get to do that and you come in at 200, but your approach speed is about 140, well, then that yep. is quite
0: a significant aerodynamic factor. That's crazy. It is. Yeah. Things are coming at you a lot more quickly. Your VSI mm-hmm. can drop real quickly out from underneath you and just, uh, yeah, could lead to a bad okay. situation. So, Hey, Jello, right. you would also mention Patreon. So, Hey, what's going on with Patreon these days? Well, because we haven't really announced them lately, we've got a bunch of new Patreon
3: supporters. We're always so thankful for them. For division leads, we have Kevin Kilaran, Connor Bowden, Colin Lamb, Lisa Davis, Anthony Delgado, Colin Smith, and Wada Al Altelji. Now, do you want to cover our mission
0: commanders? Yeah, our new mission commanders are Mark Avant, Jacob Walker, Bob Wakefield, and Brad Fisher. Yep, and Brad and I just did our 30-minute phone
3: debrief earlier today, one of the perks of the Mission Commander, as well as the air boss, And we do have one new one of those, and that is William Kwan. Well, we are always very thankful for the support of our patrons. And so again, head on over to patreon.com and check that out if you're interested in supporting the show and gaining access to exclusive content. Well, Sunshine, this is the part of the show we always like to remind everyone that the views expressed in this presentation are the personal views of the hosts and our guest, and do not necessarily represent the position of the Department of Defense or its components. Now, Sunshine, this is the Fighter Pilot Podcast, but we talk about all military aviation. So two weeks from today, we're going to be back. And guess what? We're going to look at a 1960s era spy plane that still holds numerous speed and altitude world records. Now don't give it away, but do
0: you have an airplane in mind? (laughs) I do. And let's just say that the slide rule, not the computer was instrumental in the design of that aircraft. (laughs) And just like you said, it still is an amazing aircraft.
3: It certainly is. You see a lot of them on display at different museums, but we'll find out all about that with a guest in two weeks who can tell us not just about flying it, but also about the speed of it, especially compared to other aircraft, notably an F-18. So anyway, we'll cover that (laughs) another time. But until then, what else we got, Sunshine? I think that's about
2: it. Jella, what do we always say? I think we should get out of here. All right. See you. You've been listening to the Fighter Pilot Podcast brought to you by bvr productions got a question for the show send an email to questions at fighterpilotpodcast.com or leave a message on our listener line 877 mach 101 that's 877 622-4101 be sure to check out our website at fighterpilotpodcast.com you can also find us on facebook instagram twitter and youtube for exclusive fighter pilot podcast content check out our patreon page Please like, follow, and subscribe to the show. And don't forget, share us with your network. Thanks for listening.